And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of one of these years, the season finale, one of these years, and of course, uh, we'll have a show like next week, so I guess not a big, not the ultimate season finale, but the 2023 season finale, and it will not be one of these years, Unfortunately, I'm of course Nick Brown Bertolo with Colton Bouncy, who has gotten some sleep after missing his flight back to San Francisco. <laughs> Cole, how are we doing, man? <laughs> Good, man. It was a long travel day. You made but, it uh, all the way to the last game before you had like the nightmare travel day. Literally, like my only mix up of the season. Uh, yeah, that's terrible. That that's something that would happen to me. Um, In but, the worst place to do it, too. You know, honestly. Right. But we made it back. We are safe and sound back in Detroit. I'm, I've been able to catch up on some sleep and. Good. Our brain's starting to work right again. Uh, so we have a lot of time and uh, a, a good opportunity here to talk about the game and what happened. Yeah. Um, you know, first, I think I'll get into my uh, first thing here first before we get into breaking down the whole deal here. And that's, uh, you know, and I will turn it over to you because I think you're going to have a similar uh, reaction. Maybe you won't. But I I, I uh, was disappointed with the reaction from a lot of people uh, yeah in the fan base there after that game. And I don't think I was alone, correct? You're, you, you, I mean, were, did you agree with me, Colton? Am I going too far before I go, go too deep into this? What would your, I, you, sometimes I am, I don't know. What were your, before I go into my thing, your thoughts on how folks sort of seem to handle that thing um, after the game? I think everyone was trying to process what happened in their own way. And sometimes you lash out when you're trying to, sure. you know, wrap your head around things. So I, I certainly sensed a lot of that. Um, you know, anytime you're up 24-7 at halftime, I think you feel pretty good about your chances of winning. And in a stage like that where you have a chance to go to Super Bowl for the first time and it doesn't happen, you don't end up losing that game, um, I think people are going to feel some type of way. So, I mean, I think a lot of it was emotional response. Um, you know, people still trying to trying to cope with what just happened. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was a little weird. Some of the, the stuff that was coming out of the game, like yeah, a lot of it was either people that haven't watched the Lions all season and – kind of didn't know how they operate, I guess. And a lot of people that did watch the Lions all season. Um, Some of them, too. You know, kind of wanting them to to change their ways. I didn't really understand that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We can get into it right now. So, I, you know, I, I, you know, that's the thing. There were some people that I, I feel like have watched the Lions all year and, and should know better and have yeah. known better. And maybe it was emotional. I don't want to harp too much on it or whatever. But, like, same old Lions was bandied about after this loss. And, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know <laughs> what to tell you on that one if you don't understand the term. And I had some people tell me, well, uh, the game was blown in a similar manner. And I'm like, it was the, it was the NFC championship game. It's February 1st, right? This is not week two against Same like old a contender. Lions. And, and yeah. here's the other difference, okay? Same old Lions is going 12-4 and four in a season, getting to the championship game, then getting to be 45-0 or whatever it was by the Redskins back in the day. And then the next year, not paying anybody and losing your whole roster. That's same old Lions. Or not dealing or uh, contesting Kelvin Johnson and Barry Sanders in court is same old lions, all that sort of bullshit. None of that has happened with this football team. They made it all the way to the NFC title game and played what I think is the best team in football to the wire, scared them to death in their home building. I thought they were going to be get beat by two touchdowns in this game. I mean, like I get it. And we'll talk about the whole thing and why people are upset and why maybe you can be upset and why you shouldn't be upset. But like, there was too much of the way back into the negative. And I'm telling you right now, as someone who was there during the Patricia stuff and, before, and I, he was a bad coach, don't get me wrong, that negative stuff helps nothing and it makes it worse. And if you think that they don't see it, they do. Okay, period. End of story. And if you think it doesn't impact things, it does. When you feed that nonsense and it gets talked about on the radio all the time around here, and you don't think that stuff matters? It matters. People listen to that that shouldn't listen to that and make decisions, okay? That's what I'll tell you. 
it doesn't do anyone any good to make these rash, ridiculous, people need to be fired, that's uh, insane, no one will ever get back ever again, we've been waiting all this time, and then to pin all the, you know, that that was too much, too much <laughs> for me, and uh, and that was disappointing, but, you know, it wasn't from everyone, but it was from more than I was expecting, I'll say, I don't know, that was me. Yeah, and, like, obviously, it wasn't all Lions fans, like, if you weren't doing that, pat yourself on the back right now, good job. Yeah, no, it was not um, all. But, like, the, the the same old line stuff. I thought we were past that, man. I really did. I, I did like, too. That was why it was a bummer. When you watch a team like this play the way they have all season, they make it to the NFC Championship game. They go wire to wire on the road against one of the best teams in football, arguably the best team in football. They could win it all next week. Like, I, I thought we were better than this. I thought we kind of moved past this, I guess. Um, and like, I get. I think the thing I learned is some section of the fan base, the the, the hardcore same old line people. Um, they're not going to be satisfied until this team wins the Super Bowl. No, nothing, nothing not. Apparently not. I guess we um, found that out, didn't we? That's because people cool. say, I know there are different variations of Samuel Lions, but That's I guess one point, of them is boy. like, you know, losing in dramatic fashion and, you know, letting a game slip away, right? Mm-hmm. That's the NFL, guys. That happens in the NFL all the time, especially when you're on a stage like this. You're not going to just yeah. walk into someone else's stadium and expect to win a game wire to wire in the NFC championship game by 30 points. Like, is that what it's going to take for some of you guys to actually feel satisfied with the season and this team? I don't understand. Like mm-hmm. if you had told me before the season, if I, if I had told you before the season, the lions would make it all the way to the NFC championship game, lose by three points to the San Francisco 49ers in their first year in the postseason together, you'd be pretty damn happy. Yeah. All right. And now we have people saying same old lines. I don't understand that. And that's, that's some bullshit to me, but the people that haven't done that, the people that can actually reflect on the season and appreciate it for what it was, good for you guys. And mm-hmm. and I hope that you guys continue that because that's what this that's what we should be talking about after the season. I know it was a disappointing game. I know you thought you had it. I know you thought you were going to Super Bowl, but um, you know, things happen in the NFL and and that's kind of life. You gotta live through it and you gotta work through it. Um, I think the science team will. I think they'll be better off for this experience. And again, it's only year one with this group together, like what they did this year was an absolute success. And if you see it other than any any other way other than that, um, you're viewing it wrong in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they finally admitted it before they before the game to the Fox or uh yeah it was Fox or CB uh Strahan was on the call there. Him and Dan did that interview. They finally admitted it where they were like we're ahead of where we thought we would be. We were ahead of where we thought we would be. This was supposed to be last year was supposed to be this year. Right. And frankly if you'd asked me before the season Colton when we talked we talked about They'll make the playoffs. They have enough to get there, and they should win a game if they can get there and get a home game. That was sort of like what we talked about, right? That was pretty much where it stopped. Because for me, when people would ask me all season, are they a Super Bowl contender? I said, no, they're not. Yeah, me too. I said, they weren't not. telling anyone that. They no. weren't openly saying, we need to be thinking about the Super Bowl. They said, right. let's win a division title. Let's see if we can get in the dance and see what we can do. That's all they said. Yes. And Correct. All year long. And it was not anything that anyone, you know, paraded around and acted and that might be different going forward. Yes. But this year, that wasn't what it was. And so, you know, I thought this would be a season that ended, you know, after the first round, somewhere in the second round on the road, probably in a playoff game. That's what I thought would happen. And then they went further than that. And frankly, had the, you know, outplayed San Francisco for a long stretch of time in that game, which I also didn't think would happen. So, further along and further ahead and like i mean i think it changes the math it, it opens up so many possibilities for the future which we'll talk about which i was so and i get that it's a bummer right and it's like it's the title game and you know i saw rick's rex ryan made the comment about you know how they haunt you for the rest of your life and you know i do think some of that is an overreaction but something is true that they do stay with you campbell i think said the same thing didn't he like if you lose these things man they don't ever really fade away you're always going to be bothered by them i get that but um, they're really young, and like they got a lot, they got a lot going for them here. As we'll talk about uh, on the show today, uh, Ben Johnson's back, Aaron Glenn's back. Okay, all these things are are still happening uh, and still in place going forward. Not a bad life is still pretty good, I think, around here. I think that I know that it was a bummer, and I know that it was that close. And it you you hear maybe it's cool. I don't know. Maybe it was people talked so much about that ninety one how close they got there and they compared the thing. And it was like, maybe that's the vibe. I don't know, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. You want to talk about the game or you got anything else on, on that front? The thing about comparing it to 90, 1991 is that like, we still have, 
what eight more we years left before right. we can have that exactly. discussion like something like that like we have to see what they do after this right I, like this is their first shot together to just go ahead and make that comparison and say oh we're never getting back you don't know shit you don't know that and i don't know that they could no. very well be back in this position next year with the guys that they have coming back um so i guess my whole thing is like i don't think we got to go full doom and gloom here no was it disappointing absolutely like I don't know how many teams have blown a 24-7 lead in the NFC Championship game. That's pretty tough to come back from. I, I totally understand that. Um, but if you take an objective step back and look at the roster and look at the coaching staff and look at the pieces they have coming back and the pieces they can still use to add to this roster, they're going to be in pretty good shape, man. Like this, this, this team was built to win. This was not a one and done. We got an aging roster. We got a lot of pieces that don't fit together. Some big name free agents we're not going to resign. Right. Like that's not what this is. This is we've set aside cap space to keep this core in place. It's our first year together. The fifth youngest snap adjusted roster in the NFL. This is why you build it the way the Lions did. So you can have more bites at the apple. So correct. That's, that's that's my thought. That's the best way to put it. And I think that that's a good segue into moving forward. I mean, into the game too, because I think we've got things to talk about, or decisions that were made. I, I disagree with some of the rage and it's misplaced, I think in some areas and maybe not so much in some others. But first half, Colton, this game, you know, uh, it's going about as well as it could possibly go for Detroit. Uh, what do you think of the, when it's 14 nothing here? Or I guess 20 – was it 21 nothing? Did it make it to 21 nothing? or was it 21-3? Or was it – I can't remember if it was 21 nothing or whatever it was. It got it up was, to 21-7. Yeah, 21-7. Okay, so what yeah, – 21-7. Before – before okay, 21-7, let's say, because I want to talk about the end of the half. 21-7 yeah. at this point. What do you think in there? Because you're hitting – They've hit on the Jameson Williams reverse. And at this point, really all they've done on offense is run duo like a bunch of times from a bunch of different formations. And they've ran it right down their throat. And they've hit some nice play action throws and the and of the like. But what do you think at this point when it's 21 7? I'm thinking they're in pretty damn good shape. Going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I I'll give a little secret here. A lot of the lines beat already had booked their tickets to Vegas right. because yes. you want to beat the rush and a lot of people did it like early that morning. Um, you had the 24 hour window to cancel your flight or whatever. So, uh, my flight was already booked to Vegas even before that. I felt a lot better at that point. I'm like, I'm probably not gonna have to cancel this. Um, at 21 7, and you're seeing uh, Gibbs just oh my god, the way he was juking his way through that defense. And by the way, Chase Young, a guy that everyone complained about that, uh, uh yep, was getting dominated, he was loafing on that play entirely. And I was just like, that's why the Lions didn't trade for him. There you go, mm -hmm. that's your example right there. Um, but it's 21-7 on the road in the NFC Championship game, and you're feeling pretty damn good about their chances of going to the Super Bowl at that point. Um, and I thought the game plan was being executed flawlessly. And we talked about it. I think they had to run the ball against a defense where the numbers suggest that you probably can't run the ball, at least the traditional stats where they're third in run defense. Um, right. But they're like closer to 27th in EPA per rush, um, like 28th in rush, defensive rush percentage uh, success rate. Um so they like this defense was not as formidable against teams the run just as you don't think. try it. Teams just don't try them. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I mean they're, they're closer to 14th in yards per attempt. I think a lot of that is just because, um, you know, teams aren't running against them because they, they trail get, yeah. so early against they a team like down. this, and you have yeah. to throw and you ban the run. Uh, the Lions were not going to ban the run in a game like this. They have two stud running backs in their backfield, probably two of the running backs that San Francisco hasn't played at this level throughout the regular season. These are probably the two best backs they've faced together. Um, and it showed. Like, they were doing their thing. They were carving up this defense. They are um, kind of getting everything they wanted in that first half. And um, exactly what you wanted to see. I don't know, Nick. What, 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 were, what were your thoughts watching this one in the first half and just the game plan, how it was executed? Well, yes. I mean, I agree with everything you said. Um, I would add one more and say when it was 21-7, it should have been worse at that point. Before It should have been – they should have had like 28 or 35 even at this point. If you think about I mean, you got they dropped interception – uh, and the, like a second, I think it was one of the first or second possessions of the game that ended up, and I think in a field goal that uh, Sutton drops a pick, um, mm -hmm. or, or no, it wasn't not field goal, but he dropped the pick early, whatever it was. A drive extends. I think they miss a tackle. A drive extends. There's things like this. Uh, I feel like there should have been more on top of it, and they were dominating the game. Like that's that's what I would say on top of it. And then you go down the stretch there, and and I would add on top of that, they're dominating the game to a point where some of the weird stuff that they do really wasn't mattering like they tried the double pass and it didn't matter i think they had uh 
there was something else that went wrong and it, not, it didn't matter. Gibbs got him out of another jam. Like they were like a, a St. Brown made a great catch over the middle, got him out of another jam. Like they were making plays. They were executing their game plan. They were doing things exactly how they wanted to do it. And then it, they get the ball up 21 seven uh, all the way down the field again, by just duoing the ball right down the middle of the defense, just running the ball, doing all the things that, you know, we talk about every week that they're so good at and it's fourth and goal to two. And he decides to kick the field goal and he thought about it. And, you know, you could see him on the sideline and I, I, I put on Twitter, would you, what, what are you going to do here? I said on third down, what are you going to do here? I would have gone for it, Colton. I would have gone. That's my biggest. There's a timeout at the end of the game that he makes. That's like inexcusable. That's, that's a horrible call from Campbell. This is the other one that I point to and say, this is the worst one because this sets up a problem for the rest of the game. He went into halftime regretting this and then he changed and then he went into the rest of the game and he it affected everything he did. Like that's, and he's done this before, right? To me, that's what happened there. To me, you are who you are and it's fourth and two and you're putting the ball in Montgomery Sands and you're running a duo right up their ass and you're scoring a touchdown. It's 28-7. Then you go into halftime at 28-7 and they get all the way down in the second, you know, third quarter. They come back down. I think it's third and eight, fourth and eight. They kick a field goal. Maybe they don't kick a field goal down 28-7 instead of 24-7, whatever it was, right? I just, yeah. like, the whole thing changes at that point. And to me, that was the first flinch. They flinched. And, you know, that was uh, – and then I think they spent some time after that, you know, uh, probably trying to overcorrect. I don't know. What do you – What do you, did you agree with it at the time? Not? I don't know. What are your thoughts on the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, that one, it, it's tough. Because if you're going to stay true to your identity and that's what you say – that you probably go for it in that scenario because they've done that even throughout this postseason. Um, right. Trying to trying to get touchdowns instead of field goals, they did it against the uh, Rams with the sure. Rams, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got a touchdown out of it. So, um, maybe you think a little differently, I guess, because you're playing a uh, 49ers defense and that's they're pretty stout, I guess. Sure. Um, sure. And Sorrell, and, I suppose. And, and the other thing is that's a chip shot, and so like, I yeah. think you feel better about that one. That's a 21 yarder. Um, and so you you can go up three possessions with that kick, and the Lions did. Fair. Um, going to the half, so I think that's what it was. Like the distance was probably like, you know what? Let's just get the points, go up three possessions, and then we'll have them on their heels in the second half. Um, I, now like it's that's fifty fifty for me. I think like I understand. I totally understand everything you're saying. Yeah. About yeah, like yeah. Just, no, it's a tough call. Absolutely. Like stepping on their neck and and going up twenty eight to seven in their building would be absolutely demoralizing. I think yeah. at that point. You can't you can't come back from that. And they had a chance to deliver a knockout blow and they didn't take it. And like again, I'm kind of 50 for 50 on that one, but I agree. Like if you're going to stick with your identity and that was the theme of this game, you probably you probably go for it there. They didn't, and now we move on to the second half. Um, you know, they kicked that field goal, the 49ers doing their first possession. Mm-hmm. I thought that was yeah, a win for the Lions defense. I really yeah, yeah. It. They bowed up. Bowed um up. yeah. Anytime you can stop them. At, at you know from scoring in the red zone, I think that's a pretty good deal. Let me ask you this, Colton, really quick before you go on. If it's twenty-eight to seven there, and they and it's fourth and eight at the twenty, whatever it is, you think they go for? Think they go for it, or they kick a field goal, make it 28-13? You you go for it. I think you go for it if you're the four. Maybe they get a stop, uh, and maybe they get a stop, and who the hell knows, right? Anyway, go right. on, continue. Then you're you're forcing them the the pressure's on San Francisco. That exactly. Um, yes, it changes everything for Shanahan. Whereas twenty-four. 10 that's a two touchdown game and you've got a very explosive offense so you can come back if some things right. go your way and honestly that was the theme for me everything went san francisco's way after that like sure it yes. wasn't just decision making <laughs> it was just literally everything went their way it was a, right. they needed a series of events to get back in this game the way they did and they got every single one so you want to talk about the turnover rundowns yeah i mean the the first one after it was after, it after the, field the, goal, the san francisco field goal Okay, yeah, so it was right after that. It's before the fumble, right? Yeah, so, again, like, the problem I had with it wasn't that they went for it. It was what the it was the call. Yep. What, why, are we, why are you throwing the ball? And why are you throwing the ball in, like, a moderately deep you know, route? All the route, it wasn't. Had a short. shotgun. Yeah, it wasn't a bang-bang deal. Get into, get into the heavy stuff and run it down their throat. Like, they could not stop you. And we talk about this on the show. And, I, hey, Ben Johnson's coming back, so good for him. This was going to be question number one that I had on top of well, 1B on who was your staff going to be is 
Why in the second half or in the third quarter of these games, when you have a lead, did you decide to get away from doing the thing that got you the lead? Is being a bully. Yeah. Why is that happening in these playoff games? It did every week in this playoff, right? I almost yeah, feel like sometimes here. he tries to get ahead of what the opposition's gonna do. So He's like trying, if yeah, if if the, if the 49ers think, oh, we gotta load up the box to stop the run, and then Ben comes out and throws it a lot in the second half, and then it doesn't work. Um mm-hmm. Like I almost feel like he kind of outthinks himself a little bit because he's a, he's a yeah, brilliant offensive mind, but sometimes it's just you got to stick with what's working, man. They're trying to stop you; they they just can't. It's not anything that they can really do about it. So at that point, keep running it. I, I I I'm totally with you, man. Like, and honestly, even on that play, the fourth and two, Reynolds has to catch that ball. Yes, he does. Of course, he yes. catches that ball. That's a first down. Here's what happens when you get the first down: you can either score a touchdown. And all of a sudden you're up 31 10. Uh, and then you, the, the 49ers are really feeling it. Yeah. Then it's you can burn some clock off, time. even if you don't score a touchdown. Burn mm-hmm. a couple more minutes off the clock, keep that San Francisco offense off the field, set up an easier field goal for Michael Badgley than a 48 yard attempt would have been. Like there are so many different like benefits from getting that first down other than just adding a touchdown. Like keeping the offense off the field, still going up 27 10. Like I think you would take that at that point. Um, and that's again something the Lions have been doing all season. Like I think I saw a stat that they were um 20 of 25, including the playoffs, like the first two games of the playoffs. Um, 20 of 25 from fourth or fourth and three or fewer, fourth and three or less. And that's their conversion rate. That's what they've been doing all season. Anyone who's surprised that they go for it and calling it Dan Campbell, Dan Gamble. Yeah, no shit, dude. Have you watched the Lions all season? This is what they do, this is their bread and butter. This is why they've gotten so many extra possessions and, and gotten more right. points than they should have. And it's why uh, like Dan Campbell leads the league and like expected points added per coach in terms of these decisions. Right. Um, like he's been doing all year. So I don't understand. I, I really didn't understand the outrage. Like it didn't work out. It happens. Okay. It doesn't happen as much as you would think, but it happens and it didn't work out for them in that, that scenario. That is not the reason why the Lions lost this football game. People. No. It's really not. And the things, the the things that Campbell needs to grow at, there are areas though, and people conflate them. There are areas that he needs to grow in, and that's what we just talked about because they had two chances there to step on their throat, put the ball in Montgomery's hands, get behind Sewell, and go win the game. They had two chances, they didn't do it on, on and like and two to go. It was fourth and goal at the two, fourth and two uh, in you know coordinator territory, and you can go win the game right there, like Bolton said. Like if you get first down there, the game is basically done. If you get first down there, you're in total control, a chokehold. Again, of the game midway through the third quarter, that's pretty much ball game. I mean, a lot of stuff, even with the fumble, some stuff would have to happen, right? And, you know, again, they go again. The, the second fourth down that they go for and miss later in game, same thing, they throw the ball. And I'm just, you know, that's where those are the gripes that I have with him ultimately at, at the end of the day. I did not have any issue with any decision to go for it because that's, like Paul just said, that's who they are. It's who they've been all year. And frankly, if you stop doing that, your sideline is going to be like, what the hell is he doing? He's choking in the biggest moment of the year. He's not himself. Like, that's weird. Um, I think Montgomery said after the game, you know, we trust every call he throws in. We don't, you know, whatever it is, we trust it. Fine. Fair enough. I still think that needs to be both. Those, all of them need to be runs. I don't care if they know it's coming. Like, that's that's the thing. And it's like, you know how good those guys are up front, and they've showed it to you in that game. And they did it. All day. And I, you know, Frank's hurt, but hey, he was playing fine and he's here for it. Run the ball and let them win you the game. Like they got you here. You got to let them finish it for you. That's the frustrating part. And I think Colton, for me, it goes back to that right before the half. I think that he's, I don't know if he'll ever say it or not. Maybe I'm wrong. I think he regretted it at halftime. And I think it it affected a lot of what happened from there. Because I don't think it's just Ben Johnson making those calls. I think it's Dan as well. You know what I mean? Like yeah, on, I mean, those, on those situations. There's probably a little piece of him that regrets it now the way the game played out, but I don't think you can beat yourself up for it too much. I mean, that's sure when you get a chance to go up through possessions in a, in a playoff game, I think more often than not, you should take it except for, um, you know, in that third quarter, I think they were trying to add more points on than just a field goal. That's why they didn't kick it. Right. Kick there. Yeah. I, um, I, that's who they are again too. You know, it's yeah. just what they and, do. And it's like, everyone's like, you lost momentum when you did that. No, they didn't like, that's not like, here's what happened after that. You can call this momentum if you want. I don't think that's momentum. I think it's just like bad luck. You have a pass that bounces off the face mask 
of the cornerback you signed off the street at right. midseason because you had no one else to play that position. <laughs> like it bounced off his face mask, it fell right into the hands of Brandon Ayuk. That was a fluke play, an absolute totally. Fluke play. Yeah, right. If you have anyone for- else playing corner, it's probably an incompletion. It right. goes for 51 yards. It like it happens. Okay. They go out, they score a touchdown, um, make it 24-17. The very next play, your rookie running back fumbles. And I'm pretty sure he ran the wrong way. I don't it, based on the replay, yeah. it looked like golf and him. There's something something happened there, yeah. some miscommunication there. Um again, that's execution, that's plays that happen on the field. You 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 turn it over, they score a touchdown immediately off that. Okay, that's football sometimes. Those are but those are two like Jameer Gibbs had like one fumble all season. He fumbled again a second time in the playoffs. A pass that a DB should catch 10 times out of 10 bounces off his face mask into a wide receiver's hands. They get they go out and score a touchdown after that. Like these are plays that you're not expecting that that really haven't happened all season. Like these plays are working against the Lions. I don't think that's that's you can't just say, oh, that only happened because they didn't kick the field goal. That's not why that happened. That's just fluke plays in a football game that you have to bounce back from. And I know third quarters have been tough for this team all season, but I thought they would be able to kind of bounce back from it in the fourth quarter and hunker down and and make some plays to win. And they didn't. Okay. Like the execution just wasn't there on the field. You had more drops by I think Laporta had a drop. Josh Reynolds had another drop. Um, JMO, that long touchdown would have been hard to track, but it was there. Like he yeah, should maybe should have come down with it, would have been a touchdown. Um, like they just didn't make enough plays to win this football game in the second half. That's what it comes down to me for. Like, yeah, the whole game. Yes, the whole game. I would pin the whole game. Specifically the second half because they were dominating the first half. But yeah, right. the second half. But yes. Yeah. But I would also you add. Gotta, you got to finish. Right. But I, yes, I agree completely. And I think that that whole thing illustrates the greatest point here is that defensively, look at what they're playing with. Look at what they're playing with. Like, And on top of that, Malcolm plays in this game. Played well, got the pick, but he has to come off the bench and play. On top of all the other stuff, you're playing with a thin deck defensively. They're only going to give you so many stops in a game. Realistically, they just are. And as and Dan Campbell has to know that. Like that's the thing where I feel like sometimes this team gets skewed on how it the, the offense needs to carry the load in this game completely and totally. That's why I go for it at twenty eight seven and say we're getting as many touchdowns as we can because I don't know how many more stops we have. People talk about the third quarter a lot, right? And we, and I can't explain why we talked about this second ago. I can't explain why the offense has the problems that it's had in the in the, in the third quarter, but I can tell you why the defense does. It's because when a team goes in, offense goes in on uh, and makes its adjustments, quote unquote, at halftime. All those really are, as we know, are hey, let's get back on schedule. Let's get back to the game plan. Let's get back to doing the things that we said we were going to do to this team when we came in here before all hell broke loose in the first half, right? So they come out there and they say, oh, look, it's Vildor on the other side. And it's these guys aren't even – who are these people? <laughs> so they start carving them up. That's why that happens to them in the third quarter. Because they don't have anybody on defense at this point. They don't have enough. They just don't. They are, I think, like third against the uh, third against the run in the league. That's Aaron Glenn and those guys. That's what that is. It's not anything else. They're only going to give you so many situational stops in a game. And offensively, if you don't take advantage of that – it's going to be a problem. And then beyond that, yes, there's little mistake in every single situation across the board. Reynolds has two that he's got to catch. One of them he catches. This game's over, and we're talking about a Super Bowl. I got all that. But to me, it's it's a complete package sort of failure that everybody really had problems on the big stage. And I think it speaks to, hey, you got to find some areas where you got to get better and bulk up because it really wasn't one thing or – any one person or anyone, whatever. It really was. If you look at this and unpack it, it's a bunch of stuff. It really was. Can't play like that in a title game. Just cannot yeah. do it. Do you know how impressive it would have been for this Lions team to get to a Super Bowl with all their deficiencies and it would have been insane. Weakness? Man. One of the with greatest stories in NFL history, probably. Yes. With that with that defense, I'm saying like <laughs> right. they're literally signing dudes off the street to play for them. Like veterans like Alalu was just like he was on a couch until he came here and you know we're the playoffs piecing this together with duct tape <laughs> and yet people want Aaron Glenn fired or whatever. I don't understand it. So like the lions have work to do this offseason. They absolutely do. Yes. The fact that they got to the NFC championship with this defense. I mean, that's, that to me is impressive. I think they can add a, an edge a corner. We'll talk about mm-hmm. this later. I'm sure. But 
there are definitely some some areas to address with this defense so you don't get to a point where you can't really trust them in a, in a title game to get right. stops to get off the field that's why exactly. you, it changes the way you coach you coach in a game like this and i think a lot of people don't really realize that um campbell's also saying like look our defense cannot buy a stop right now i got to be aggressive and that's the feel for the game that i think he has sure, and a lot yes. of people say a lot of people are trying to make this like an analytics discussion and like it is to an extent they pay attention to that stuff but campbell also just like goes goes with the feel he has on the field and how a game's going like that's something that I think he has that a lot of coaches don't a lot of coaches that only stick to analytics. He's like, he can read like, Hey, my defense doesn't have it today. I have to be more aggressive or Hey, they do have it. Maybe I can scale back on this day. Like he definitely adjusts his, his game management in that way. So in a game like this, you had to be more aggressive. It just didn't work out. You, you trust your offense to come through in those situations like they have all season 2025. Yeah. It just didn't work out in a game like this. Such a good point. And Chris, I, Chris Burke made a great point on Twitter we've talked about this a thousand times, he, he did a good job of like explaining it, that Campbell's entire philosophy, which I love, and I and we all do, right? It's because how could you really disagree with it? Yeah. It's it's like you're riding the edge of a lightning bolt the whole way and you're trying not to fall off. Like you're just trying to stay on it all the way to get to the end. You're, you're doing all you can to get all these people uh, to be up as much as you can and you're going to be as aggressive as you possibly can. You're not going to be afraid of anything going to back down from anything and the minute that you tell yourself that you're deficient in some areas the minute that you are and it's this really hard line that you have to walk and sometimes crazy stuff happens and they win you know a bunch of games and they make it to the you know the final game here uh, but also sometimes it blows up in your face and like that's the sort of balance that dan campbell has to continue to grow into as a third year nfl coach because this is only his third season as an nfl football coach okay like that's the stuff that that I take away from this and say, yes, Dan Campbell can be better, but to panic and and, and pin it all on two decisions that he would have made in every other game all season is ridiculous. And to me, it's 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 a sign that the Lions have sort of gotten where they can go with a lot of the mid level players on the team, a lot of the mid level veterans, and they need to maybe now go out and spend money in some areas and more draft capital as well, but really some money probably to Colton Wright in some areas to say, now we need to bulk up in some of these spots where we're not going to have two more drops, okay? And you're not going to have two more dropped interceptions in a playoff game. Not going to happen. We're going to fix that, right? Like, that's that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, I think they've proved themselves this year. I think they're maybe being cautious last offseason, just saying, like, yeah, we got a young roster. Let's just see what we can do now. Let's see. Let's use the season to measure where we're at and how we stack up against the league's best. You know that now. They were hanging with a bunch of good teams on their schedule all season. They make it, they win two playoff games. You make it all the way to the NFC Championship game, and you go wire to wire against a team that could win it all in a couple weeks from now. Like that's the two teams playing in the Super Bowl. Lions beat one of them. Right. Lions probably should have beat the other. Like that's right. what we're talking about with this team now and how they um, are approaching this offseason. That should be the mindset. We're so close. These two teams that are playing on Sunday, we're right there with them. So let's the make one. the proper necessary moves to get to where they are and make sure that this doesn't happen again. And I think that it changes your math, and I'm so interested to see this for Brad Holmes in this offseason. Uh, there's a thousand things, right, that I think they could or couldn't do. And, you know, when he got here from L.A., there was such a time, because they were at the time with Les Snead, and obviously McVay fueled a lot of that. But, like, the go-go, we're going to trade. We're going to go. We're trying to win a Super Bowl because we think we have a window to go get one now. And they the made picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck the picks. And they made their moves and they were aggressive. And I think a lot of people, and then Holmes got here, traded Stafford right away and gets the picks. And then a lot of people, I just think, assumed he was just going to be Troy Weaver here for the next, you know, however many, however many his first year and a half and just do all just, and he didn't do any of that. He didn't do any of that. He backed off. He made very selective moves very early on both years. He signed his guys, you know, guys that he knew that would fit in certain spots that they needed for a time. Uh, now I'm curious to see in certain areas that time has got to be up in certain spots. Like they, Josh Reynolds has done a lot for them, and I'm not going to blame and say that I'm I'm not. I would say this even if he hadn't dropped those passes, they need to upgrade there. They need to upgrade uh, defensively at corner beyond repair. They they need to spend money. I think spend money uh, on an edge opposite Hutchinson and get a real veteran in here who can chase a championship there. Like I don't know what before we get into some other stuff here, Colton. What are your sort of thoughts? We talked about just a minute ago, like 
what could you do? What wouldn't you do? And what are you sort of on the fence about? Maybe they will do. From the Lions, I probably target a corner in the draft and free agency. Yeah, um, probably both. Yeah, that's probably fair. Both. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I would try to science need. I think he's had a really good year, and like I think the Lions are point where they need number one. Cam Sutton is not a number one corner. We said that even last year when he signed. Um, no. People didn't listen to us, but we said that. <laughs> like he's probably a really good number two, and when you ask him to line up against number ones every week, he might not have success, and that's what we saw this year, especially in the playoffs. So if you can sign number one or draft number one, I know if you draft one, he might need some time, but. Um, I would definitely try to sign one, at least a starting caliber corner, and then draft another one. Um, you definitely need a running mate for Aiden Hutchinson. I know James Houston was hurt all year. I don't know how much the Lions trust him as an every-down pass rusher. He's more of a third-down situational guy. Um, so I think they could probably use another guy to go opposite Hutch. Josh Pascal made some strides, but he's probably better against the run. He's not much of a pass rusher. You can move him inside for that role. Um, so, yeah, maybe this is the year you draft one in the late first and, and hope a guy's there. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are probably the two positions I would look at. I don't know if, you know, wide receiver, if they draft a wide receiver in the first round, I think, uh, Aaron Glenn might quit and like go work for Sean Payton or something. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, they that definitely need to, they definitely need to focus on the defense side of the ball this year. Um, but they'll have some options to improve this roster. They've got four picks in top 100. That's a solid amount of draft capital to kind of add to your roster and keep building and, We've seen guys that you know make these third year breakouts. Um, I think they feel confident some of these other guys can come along too, and um, just gotta ha- find the right pieces. Like this is where you get to the the hard part because you're not drafting in the top ten anymore. Right. You gotta be able to have the the eye to identify players. But I think Brad Holmes does have a good eye. I think his staff has proven that you know they're good at identifying talent, and um, they'll be able to find some pieces to help this team. I think I would look at it like whichever edge or corner, whichever um, spot I could get the best. Whichever spot I could land the, the deal with a one, with a guy, like a, a stud, that's what I would do. Whichever yeah. spot I could do that in, I would do it, and then I would dra- draft heavy draft the, at other. the other one. Yeah. yeah. Like, so if I sign an edge, whatever it is, I would, you know, try to draft two corners and I would maybe trade up for a corner in this draft. Um, because for would the love you? of God, yes, I would. Because of, from because they're now going to be at 29 or yeah. 30. 29. 29. Um, 
Yeah, because the best corner in the draft is not going to be there at 29. The be- uh, No. So but if it's would, a, this is a pretty deep corner class, right, Nick? It is, but, you know, so is, frankly, Cole, I would trade up for edge or corner if I was going to do that because both those spots, you, you run into the same situation. If you're trying to get a guy who's going to come in here and really make a difference, for me, I would, you know, an impact guy that I know is going to be there, obviously I would play the board, but I, I should, what about I say this? I would be ready to trade up for either of those spots if need be. Cause I don't think the top corner is going to be there. Certainly not that far down. I don't think the top two or three are going to be there that far down. And I, there's no way the top two or three edges are going to be there that far down. So, you know, at that point you're sort of getting back into the project water of yeah. like, and I don't know. It's, it's a tough conversation. And I mean, you've been following draft this obviously more right. than I have. I'm just now getting into the process, but it seems it is a, a deep corner class. So I, I guess from it my is. perspective, if I'm picking 29 and I know there's a guy I like that's probably going to be there, if there's a group of like seven, maybe first round corners, um, maybe I'm okay taking one that falls to 29 and then spending my free agency money on an edge. Uh, and then maybe even double dipping at corner, honestly, later on. In the draft. Well, that's what um, I was going to say. I, I would trade up and then tr- trade up get, to get a one so that I can try to draft a one. And then draft another one because there's a, like you said, there's a bunch of them. There's always, this is a theme we talk about every year, receivers and corners. It's not accidental that this happens every year. It's another one with receivers. There's probably 11 or 12 in the top 50 yeah. receivers, you know? So I definitely wouldn't draft a receiver in the first round. I love God. You're right about that. If that happens, you know, I, I don't know what is going to go on in there. If that can don't put a pass trade up for one. Don't anyway. put a pass Brad Holmes. He'll do what he wants to do. But, yes, uh, we can get more into that sort of thing as uh, time moves forward here. But I think that was another takeaway that I had from this game specifically because San Francisco just has more – obviously have more players with more experience, veteran players. They have more good players in more spots. They have more depth, more good depth on both sides of the ball. They don't have Absolutely. really very many yep. spots. Like I mean, Ambry Thomas was out there playing corner. He was probably the weakest spot on their team. Um and Ambry would start on this team. You better believe that. And I know he's their, probably their worst player, and that's only one. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. So, like, that's the difference in that game, and I think that that sort of is how this has to be looked at. I am curious, though. I'm curious with this every year because they sort of still do play their cards to the best and then end up doing, for the most part, what you thought they would do. Like, the plan now, like we talked about, right, the plan for you – if you're them, is we're trying to win the Super Bowl here now. We're trying to load up, we're trying to fix this thing, fix what we need to fix, and go get a championship because our window is open now, right? I mean, it's are you in that? Are you in that boat? I'm in that boat, but that's where I'm at with it. It's wide open. Yeah, the window's open. No, no um, kicking the can down the road anymore, right? Like that. No. That's Yes, that's over. Now's the time, man. Like you've proven it. <laughs> you've seen everything you need to see to, to tell you you're a contender. Like yeah. I don't know what else to say. Brad Holmes, it's on you to kind of get this roster going in the right direction again and kick it into overdrive because you got Ben Johnson back, got Aaron Glenn back. Everyone's returning. You can re-sign all your key guys if you want to, let some guys go that you don't, um, and kind of make a move to to cement yourself as a, as a contender this offseason. Yeah. In so many I, ways, through yeah. draft, through free agency, through a trade even if you want. Maybe there's a player that you can use a third-round pick and, and get, like, the window with the time to do stuff like the Jalen Ramsey stuff that we talked about in the past where maybe they weren't ready, stuff like that. Yep. Those now become realistic to me this off season. Um, so everything's on the table, man. Like I agree. Got to get them to this point where they can be here every year. Yeah. And if it's not, then, you know, that's going to need a really hard explaining because I wouldn't agree with the, because I, I've said this now for three years with people yell at a lot, yell a lot. I would say I, I would still pump the brakes. I would still pump the brakes. I would not pump the brakes anymore. I nope. would go, you're ready to go. You were a quarter away from a Super Bowl, whatever it was, right? So, you know, that's that. Um, moving forward, you mentioned to Colton, uh, the coordinators are back. Obviously, Ben Johnson shocks the NFL with, uh, with uh, the commanders in the in, in their private plane midair, and he says, staying in Detroit, uh, which no one really knows if that was Ben Johnson pulling out, the commanders not wanting him, sure, or not quite sure if they wanted him, or probably a little bit of both uh, at the end of the day. And then Aaron Glenn, of course, this morning, uh, also back because the last job was filled uh, with uh, Washington, I believe they coached uh, Dan Quinn, right? So, yep. Your thoughts on the whole? Were you shocked about Ben Johnson? Surprised? Shocked? I don't know what's your thoughts on that. Um, 
I won't be shocked going forward with anything that man decides to do, but I definitely will <laughs> decide. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously there were two jobs left when that game started on Sunday and um, I never really got the sense that the Seahawks were super in on him. I think most assumed that commander's yeah. job was Ben's to lose. Um, right. Whether that was right or wrong, whether that was accurate or not, like who knows, but the fit certainly made sense on a number of levels. Um, They have new ownership. It's not Dan Snyder running that show anymore. And we'll have to see if the ownership is good or not, but just new is probably better than the old, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's one positive. Um, A a GM in Adam Peters that has been respected for a long time Mm -hmm. uh, has been kind of the Ben Johnson of the GM world in so many ways, because people have tried to pry him out of San Francisco and were never able to. And, he finally took this job and saw it as, as a probably a, a great place to kind of get his career going as a GM with the cap space they have. I think seventy five million, the right. number two overall pick, a chance to get maybe Drake May or, or Caleb if if he falls there. Um, and so like I look at all that, and I'm just like, Ben, this is your job, man. Like I know the Chargers' job with Justin Herbert was probably attractive, but in terms of top to bottom roster and resources oh, and assets that, and a yeah. chance to start from scratch and not have expectations right away. This is a fantastic starting spot. And so I kind of assumed that this was the job that he wanted. And another thing that kind of, you know, perked my ears up a little bit. Uh, ben didn't not really talk about the process that much. Um, he was kind of short with us whenever we would ask about the mm-hmm. options out there. He was asked a direct question about Adam Peters and then he answered it. And he's like, oh, I, I've heard so many great things about him. Um, you know, a lot of people I've talked to have had great things to say. So I'm looking forward to, to, to chatting with him. That was like the one job he actually talked about. It was that commander's <laughs> job. So I'm like, all right, he was probably trying to impress his new boss, say some nice right, things yeah. in the interview. And uh, then he tells him on the on the plane ride here to Detroit to talk to Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, hey, thanks, but no thanks. Um, <laughs> so... Probably a few ways to view that. Um, I I probably do think like the the loss impacted his decision a little bit because yeah, he understands how close they got and knows that they were able to go toe to toe with one of the league's best. And and to do it at a place like Detroit that hasn't been there before, that's that's special. That's a rare opportunity. It's not just like the Patriots or any other job out there. Um, and so I think. The idea of staying and seeing it through and hoping you can get there back, get get back there next year and actually win it all, that's I, I'm sure that weighed on him a little bit in the the moments after that loss. Uh, St. Brown said on his podcast that Ben Johnson called him at like 9 a.m. and said, "I've been I couldn't be, I couldn't sleep. The, the Commanders are coming here, but I'm going to stay. We're going to see this thing through." So I do think that that loss kind of impacted his decision a little bit, and you know. Right or wrong, a lot of some people are like, "Oh, did he handle this the right way?" Calling them like as they're about to board the plane, and letting them know it's probably not a great look. You know the fact that he's turned down jobs two years in a row. You know, are people going to sour on him? I don't think that's the case. If he comes back and the offense is just as good as it was a year ago, you bet your ass we were going to be calling him to run their team yeah. a year from now. Like I don't really buy that stuff. Um, now there was some stuff about, you know, was he asking for too much? Which talking to some other people it seems like some of that was more accurate than his agent even tried to lead on a little bit uh try to throw some smoke on that Josina yeah. anderson report um so maybe that had to factor in a little bit but if i'm ben johnson i would definitely make my asking price high because I, i'm in a good spot man like why would i leave you got to entice me to come run your team i'm in a damn good situation with a top five offense um a team that can compete for a super bowl year in year out and a, and a coach i like working for so you got to tell me why I should run your team. I understand that. That was a mindset. So, um, again, probably a little bit of both on this. And, and whenever this stuff like this comes up, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, but Ben Johnson's back, and that's all you can ask for, man. I'd say there's a couple things there. First and foremost being the fact that uh, he is a very loyal person um, and a very, like, you know, serious person with that whole thing. And to say, and people get people have gotten lost on his story. They don't understand it. To say that Dan Campbell made Ben Johnson or found Ben Johnson would even wouldn't even be doing it <laughs> justice. Okay, like Ben Johnson was on the uh, scrap heap of uh, Matt Patricia staff, like when Dan Campbell got here and was like, "Oh yeah, I remember you from back in the you know." And then that's how, and then that's that was what it was. That's why he's here right now. Oh yeah, I remember you. You can stay. 
how the yeah. hell did you end up with Matt Patricia, by the way? Like, you know, that's probably how the conversation went. Like, and that's, and it's like full trust. And then when the team is in the tank in the first season, then he's got to tell Anthony Lynn, I've got to take the headset from you. He goes to Ben Johnson and says, I trust you to do this. Like, he made his career, completely made his career. And they are, you know, what they believe, you know, one game away from the Super Bowl. So that's the first part. And like, you can't, there's anybody in the league, I think, would, for the most part, appreciate that, you know, if you met Dan Campbell, I would say, to be to begin with. The second part is, is the other thing I just said. I don't, if you were going to hire him, I don't know who the hell he was going to hire on his staff. Like he did not, he has not really been around. It's been a very quick rise for him. He'd been in the league uh, when Dan was a head coach there with the Dolphins for that brief stint uh, in the interim. But that was like the very beginning of his run. And like he'd bounced around and has done all a bunch of grunt jobs and really never had any responsibility doing anything until Dan basically was like, you're the OC now. <laughs> like, that was it. Yeah. So, yeah, I would, I questioned a lot about who he was going to hire. I know there was some smoke about, you know, maybe Hank Fraley around here would go. And that even, and I like Hank a lot, but that even would be, is that going to be what you want if Craig May is your quarterback? You know, I, I don't know if that would happen. I'm just saying, you know, I don't know. Those are my two things with Ben, right? Like, I, I think there are still things he has to prove. And we just talked about it earlier in the show. The third quarter, right, has to go away. I think he understands that too. So I think, like you said, the loss, I think, impacted it. The run impacted it. In fact, they won more games. Like, if they'd have lost in the second round, I think he'd have left. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they didn't. And, like, they're further ahead than they thought they were going to be. And so when you get when you get around people like Dan Campbell and you say you're going to do something at the beginning – Remember that story Chris and I wrote about the all those boys drinking those beers on the roof at seven in the morning? They, <laughs> you said you were gonna do it. You said you were gonna do it. And then they always, you know, that's Dan Gable. So I don't know what else to say on that one. I wasn't shocked. I was a little surprised, but I wasn't shocked because he has a pull about him, does he not? He does. Uh I saw a lot of national media takeaway saying Dan Campbell must be one hell of a boss to work for. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he is, man. Um, I think he is, yes. Aaron Glenn also say, back, Colton. Sorry, go ahead. No, I would say I'd say about Ben real quick. Um, so as much as we talk about his brilliant offensive mind and just what he's, what he's done with the offense, he deserves so much credit. Like, there are probably some things that he could work on, and that's I'm sure he'd be the first one to say that. Like, totally. last year even, um, you know, I think he was the best at, like, delegating some work, and he would always try to put everything on himself and – um, not super trusting, I don't think, of his assistants and the guys around him. I think he worked on that this year. Um, Dan said that he's been asking the right questions and um, has been trying to prepare himself to be a head coach one day. And Dan certainly thought he was ready. And I don't think there was much um, pushback as there was last year from the Lions, uh, just knowing that he's he already gave him an extra year. So they, you know, how much, how much, right? You can't be yeah. too greedy when a guy already comes back, right? So, but at the same time, um, yeah, I mean, like, there are some things he probably needs to work on still to be ready for a head coaching opportunity. Like, I think you look at a guy like Aaron Glenn, and we talk about him and Campbell being cut from the same cloth as guys that can command a locker room, and that's yeah. a direction a lot of NFL teams are going um, because they see the success the Lions have had with Dan Campbell leading the way, and they want a piece of that. So, like, if you're going for that, Aaron Glenn's your guy, not so much Ben Johnson. Um, Aaron Glenn was voted the number one defensive coordinator by his players. And that to me is a sign of respect. It's not like that list. I think confused some people. It's not really like, um, you know, executives saying that it's just the players. Like who do we trust to lead us in a battle on game day with the defensive game plan? That's, that's what that was. Um, and a guy that we can rally around. I think that speaks to his prowess and potential as a head coach. Ben Johnson wasn't among the top five. Mm -mm among his, uh, you know, offensive coordinators. So you don't know how he is leading, leading a group of men and having that side. There's so much more to being a head coach than being able to call plays. So certainly I think some of that had to factor in. Um, talking to some people around the Panthers last year, I don't think he interviewed super well uh, with some of his jobs last year. I don't know if that was the case again this year, but it seems like last year he was still kind of rough around the edges and had to work on that too. Um, so now he's back for a third year. As Lions OC, um, again, I'd be—I guess I can't even say this now. I would be very surprised if he's back next year, but I don't even want to rule it out because Not he anymore. could just be very comfortable. And maybe there's a job out there that he doesn't think is—you know—the the jobs that are available next year aren't ones that he's super attractive to. So maybe he comes back again. So you never know with this guy. That's what—that's all I'll say. 
but I think having another year to learn from Dan Campbell and and the guys around him is never a bad thing. Um, you have a chance to win a Super Bowl in the process and run it back with a group of guys you're comfortable working with, while also probably getting a raise in the process. You know, that's that's not a bad gig to leave. You know, it's it, it's a hard oh, one. To no, leave it's and not. Yeah, I totally understand it. And a lot is changing on that front too. Like you're not going to have as much competition. You're not going to have any competition like you used to from colleges because like they can't, these coaches don't want any part of that. So, you know, at this point it's about what, what's the best scenario I can have for myself as a pro coach. And like, that's the Ben Johnson. For the, if he takes a head job, he's two years away from being fired. If he continues on here, you know, like he's a year away from a Super Bowl, maybe we'll see. And then yeah. who knows what else pops up. Aaron Glenn, like that's one where when it when it finally boiled down, I guess I'm not surprised that it didn't work out in his favor. Uh, you know, Mike McDonald ends up getting the uh, Seahawks job. Can't hate that. McDonald's been awesome uh, with the Ravens and will be awesome. I'm sure with Seattle it was a great hire. Um, Harbaugh gets the uh, Chargers job, which I think was supposed to happen a long time ago, long before it did, and he's bringing that strength coach with it, taking all that money. Uh, that confused never- me. Why do you need uh- – like strength coaches, strength coaches are way more valuable in college than the NFL. Yeah, they are, and he's. I think that uh, <laughs> I think he might be paying the NFL's highest paid strength coach now. Uh, I'm not sure if Jim Harbaugh is or isn't going to run Chargers camp like a uh, military college football oh, training camp. Boy. We'll see how it goes, but that's neither here nor there. Atlanta, obviously, Atlanta was the one I thought he would. That Atlanta was the one I thought he had a chance at actually. I know that they've got so many pieces on offense. Um, and who did they end up hiring? Raheem Morris. Uh, Raheem Morris. That's what I thought they would do, is go with a defensive guy who's a leader, and you can't argue with Raheem Morris either. So it's like, you know, I think he was kind of in a tough spot of job. And then the, the Patriots was, yeah, like they was they like feel like they pulled the rug on old Bill before the season even started and had that thing done. So yeah. it felt like it was a weird spot. For him, but also like this is kind of a tough spot because coaching defense is freaking really hard, and it takes a really good football mind to understand the value that he's adding. And some of these owners aren't that, and you know what I mean. And yeah. and that's, I feel like Aaron Glenn. I I think he's antsy to get a head job, but I feel like he also needs he should be patient, and he is. I guess he is being patient. He's sticking here, so we'll see what happens there. What's your thoughts on him? In this whole situation there yeah it's funny i feel like ben is almost too patient and yeah it's like it should be flipped use, yeah it could be <laughs> more patient <laughs> um but like i don't know i think the, the only thing holding ag back is like defensive success right which sounds like a big thing but at the lions definitely made strides this year they were the number two rushing defense in the nfl after ranking like bottom three last year maybe dead last i can't remember um, so that was a massive improvement, massive stride. They completely shut down one half of every offense that they played. Now, it's a passing league. you got to be able to defend the pass. But I would also say look at his secondary. Um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson was hurt a lot if he was not reliable for probably 10-plus games a season. Um, Curry had a up-and-down season. Cam Sutton was a number two corner playing number one all year. Mm-hmm. And then you were signing guys like Vildor just to replace Jerry Jacobs, who was very ineffective when he played. So the secondary was kind of a mess. And I think if you give them the right pieces, um, oh, I, even Mosley got hurt. If Mosley played, this is probably a much different defense if Mosley didn't tear his ACL again. So, again, give that guy some, some pieces to work with in the secondary. I think you'll see the passing defense catch up with the run defense. And all of a sudden, this is a very good defense overall. Because they've got some young dudes that are still coming along, still learning in this league and, and getting better. So I would say give it another year. I think year three is probably or year year four um, is probably the year where it all comes together in the way that you want it to, and that's probably the year where Aaron Glenn gets some more serious head coaching looks. Not to say that these weren't, but it never felt like he was a top option for any of these jobs. And I think that could change next year if the defense finally catches up with the Lions' offense. And you never know when, like a weird situation happens and a really good, like a winner comes open. You know what I mean? Like that happens sometimes like the Cowboys. Okay. I'm not saying that he would be the favorite for the Cowboys, but I feel like he would be really good on a team. That's already good. You know what I mean? If he could go into a a building that's already got talent and sometimes that comes open. Sometimes it doesn't. Seattle was, 
that type of job this year. And, you know, they gave it to a guy who was probably better. He was probably ahead of uh, AG in line. Yeah. But I feel like he's not going to be too far behind on the next one. If that comes open again, something like that, like that's the kind of job you want right there. And do you want to take the Jaguars job? Like those are the things now where I wonder sometimes if I look at, the, you know, and that's not open yet, but it might be soon. It's like, I mean, those are things where I don't know. And I feel like, but yeah, he's not a really patient guy. So, I mean, I, it's a bummer. I know he wants to be a head coach. Both those guys I'm sure do, but um, it's good for the lions that they're back too. That's, I can't argue with, I mean, I know people will fire so-and-so, but no, I mean, that's, there's nothing. We've talked about that all year. There's no way to argue that. Any other guys? I know some other people have interviewed on staff uh, at other spots. Uh, um, Randall L. interviewed somewhere I saw in Tampa. Yeah, I think he did. Um, that one kind of flew under the radar. Um, Tanner Angstrom, he Tanner interviewed too. for the Patriots OC job and the Bucks OC job. Um, so has, he's another uh, one to watch. Has James J. Harbaugh given Angstrom a call yet? Or is he going? <laughs> or is he hiring? Biff Bogey to be his offensive coordinator. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, yeah. Uh, it might be uh, – <laughs> uh, who's the the former Ravens OC? Uh, Greg Roman? Yeah, yeah. It seems like with, that's the guy they're targeting, but uh, not, not a done deal yet. With Justin Herbert? Uh, okay. <laughs> Going to make him Lamar Jackson? Yeah. Let's My go. God. Uh, yeah, I think Tanner could probably – I wouldn't be surprised if Tanner leaves because, you know – Yeah, probably so. If he, I don't know. He, like, he could probably get a hot – jump here yeah and i don't know if he was the guy like obviously when you take him off tight ends and have him working closer to ben as passing game coordinator i think a lot of people put two and two together as he's maybe the next man up uh i don't know if that was a for sure thing yeah i agree um i think scotty montgomery has you know just as much chance like he's interviewed for a lot of oc jobs already in this league um so you have him right there on staff i think it probably been one of the other if they went internally for the oc job um, but now Ben's back and Tanner probably wants a chance to prove himself. So if he does get an OC job, like Lions can't block him from interviewing for a promotion. Right. So, uh, you know, we'll see who the Patriots end up hiring as OC. We'll see, uh, who the Bucks end up hiring as OC, but you could lose him. Um, I don't know if he's a top option for any of those jobs, but that's certainly still out there. Randall L did an interview. Um, I believe those are the only two that we know about. So. Uh, good for Randall L, though. I'm glad he's getting some looks here because that's uh, he's a really valuable coach on staff and a guy that's done so much with those wide receivers like Jamo and St. Brown over the year. So, um, happy for him to start in Tampa. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah, anyway. yeah. I think he did. Right. Yeah. And I, I, just to add to your, I agree with everything you said. I think actually, if you had, um, if uh, you'd seen Johnson leave, we would have seen Scotty Montgomery be the offensive coordinator and Dan Campbell calling the plays. I think that's what we would have seen at least to start the season going into next year. I don't know if it would have been Tanner. I really don't um, at all. Maybe I don't, but I agree with you completely. I think Montgomery would have been the first choice there. He's already on staff, so whatever. Why would you? <laughs> you know what I mean. And then the other side, we've talked about that too. If if Glenn were to leave, uh, I do think Kelvin Shepard would be a person that would get a look on staff. But I also don't know that either. That's one where defensively, I feel like he could. I don't know what he would do there because I think he's not a defensive you know, guru, so to speak, Campbell. So that's a tougher one for me to pick. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that one? Just before we get out of here. Um, I would look at Duker or one. Shep. Duker, as, that's right. I always forget about Duker. Duker or Shep as, as a replacement for – internal replacement, at least, for Aaron Glenn. I don't even know if they would go internal. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. It's also tough because, like, I think both of those guys could be defensive coordinators in this league, but they just might not be ready when Aaron Glenn leaves. Um so maybe you try to get another defensive mind in here and retain those two guys if you can. Uh, but those two certainly seem like they're on that trajectory. They might just need some more seasoning. Yeah, well, we don't have to talk about that anymore because apparently they're all coming back. <laughs> Band's not did, breaking up. <laughs> they did make one hire, right? They did add, I would say, it was a Terrell Williams. Uh, they added a new uh, defensive line coach. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure what's He's coaching the Senior Bowl right now, right? Yeah, I think he's in Mobile. He's a head coach. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That's an um, advantage right now for oh yeah the guy that's, that's working so closely with all those prospect down in, in, in Mobile right now. That's that's great. That's why they give those spots to the teams that have the last used to be the last place. Can't really do that anymore because like half the time the senior bowl goes on, these teams don't have staffs or whatever. Like, but it used to be like the two worst teams in football got to, when the Lions when it was them and the Jets, and the Lions have since passed the Jets. 
for those scoring at home because the Jets didn't even make the playoffs. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, Terrell okay. Williams, uh, yeah. he was the Dolphins coach when Campbell was there, Dolphins defensive line coach. Right. And get this, he was Brad Holmes' defensive line coach at North Carolina A&T. Well, how about that? Yeah. How old is he? How old was he a coach <laughs> at that point? He's not that old. He's 49 now. He yeah, I was going to say, was he like a 25-year-old coach? Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was early 20s. Jesus. Well, there you go. So yeah. Lions are gearing up for, for next season. I had people tell me all week, Colton, you got to tell us something to get the sun out because there's still no sun shining around here. I would say this again as, before we ride out. I, I got to tell you, in my 40 years of life, and I've just dated myself, I've never seen a season like that from that team. And I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember the '91 season. I, I I just remember that it was loud at the end. I remember them getting in and people being excited at the end. Not like that. Not from training camp to the end. They sold tickets out from the start to the end. That all happened for a reason. Okay. I think everyone needs to take a break and a breath and remember that. And you know, we'll see what happens in free agency here in the draft. But I I gotta think there'll be some things that will get people excited again here in the coming weeks, but that was a heck of a season. And I don't think people should let one really bitter loss, which was a bitter loss, ruin it. Uh, I, I, at least I hope they don't anyway. Colton, you got anything else to add there? There's just a ton to be excited about right now. If you're a Lions fan, I mean, the season you just had, there will never be another season like it where no, you're experiencing won't. so many first, like there are people that weren't born the last time they won a playoff game. I certainly wasn't. So that was really cool to see and experience this myself as an outsider. And you definitely feel the love the city has for their Detroit Lions. So that was total blast to kind of be around for the season. And it's not over, man. Like, they're bringing the coordinators back. They can bring every key player back. The draft is in Detroit this year, people. That's going to be fun. (laughs) That's going to be a blast, dude. That's going to be a really good time. Hopefully the weather's Um, not horrible. (laughs) Hopefully. Late April. It's usually okay. okay. It's like, yes, that's usually one of the first good weekends of the year. When the sun comes out for the first time in months. We're always inside when it's nice out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the NFL world will be in Detroit in April. That's going to be really cool. And hopefully uh, the city puts out for it. I'm sure sure it will. Um, A lot of Dan Campbell that weekend, I'm sure. Yeah. so, yeah, I mean, everything's going right for the Lions right now. I know that's not the ending you wanted, but um, in terms of a first year together doing this, your first playoff run, you could do a lot worse. Uh, that was that was a fun thing to watch. And um, it's not doom and gloom, guys. Like, mm-hmm. sun will come out both outside, hopefully soon, and One with day. this team again. So, uh, yeah, keep your head up. Yes, it is February 1st, and no one has asked us about a mock draft. That is a record in Lions Land. Uh, well, now I want to do some mocks. Yeah, and now <laughs> Let's do it. you'll be excited to do them. About to hop uh, on the PFF generator for the next, like, three months. Let's do it. It has been uncharted waters for the podcast and for Lions, of course, but it has been fun to watch. And as, when the show ends, off-season mode will begin. Draft season starts as of, well, it already has started, so off and run Senior Bowl. Uh, this weekend, Shrine Game. I was at the Shrine Game earlier this week. A lot of players in both spots to talk about it as we go. So there'll be plenty more to break down in the coming weeks. Not sure if we'll go every week from here on out, but we'll go a lot uh, for the event. And I'll go to this week. Thanks again for everyone listening uh, this year and again this week. I'm Nick. Take care.